0: I'm Sarah Heiner, president of Bottom Line Inc, the number one provider of expert-sourced, expert-vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. I'm thrilled to be talking today to Dr. Joel Furman, leading nutritional researcher, president of the Nutritional Research Foundation, and member of the Dr. Oz Show Advisory Board. Dr. Furman is the author of 12 books, including Eat to Live, and his most recent, Fast Food Genocide, How Processed Food is Killing Us and What We Can Do About It. His Eat to Live program and nutritarian philosophy have helped millions of people to conquer disease and live healthy, active lives. You can learn more about Dr. Furman and his work at drfurman.com. So welcome, Joel. Thank you for talking today.
1: My pleasure. Looking forward to it.
0: So you said something to me because I'm a high-protein eater. I'm a low-carb eater and a high-protein eater. And you said that we as a society are overdosing on protein. And I was rather surprised by that given that so many people are so carb-centric and carb-focused. So please explain.
1: Wow. You know, I, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that you were a, like a low-carber. Okay, so let me just... I
0: have to sm- do something to maintain my svelte figure.
1: Okay. Well, you know what you could do? You could snort cocaine and smoke cigarettes simultaneously. That'll keep you thin.
0: That's so not my style.
1: Yeah, but, but, but I'm making, the point I'm making, even though it's a joke, is that... Lots of things may help your weight, but they're not good for long-term longevity purposes. So to adopt a diet style, we have to look at studies that look at people following it for decades and seeing what the long-term outcomes are look at using hard endpoints. As a nutritional researcher, us researchers give more credence to studies that use thousands of people and follow them for 10, 15, 20 years and see how old they are when they die. And we find that low-carbers die young and they have increased risk of cardiovascular deaths and cancer deaths. Here's a particular study, for example.
0: I'm not an Here's- Atkins low-carber, just to be clear. <laughs> I'm not that right. much of a low-carber.
1: Whatever, all right, well, you know, I think that other people may be listening and a lot of people are into paleo, keto, you know, cutting back on carbs, eating more protein. Let's look at some of the data from large-scale studies because I can say this really clearly and definitively that every study that looked at people on higher protein, lower carbohydrate diets, where they followed them for decades, with large numbers of people looking at death rates, found that death rates were increased dramatically on low carb, higher protein diets. So here's a study that just came out in 2018, probably the largest one, which, was, which analyzed data from the, the, H- the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey in the United States. They had data from over 24,000 participants, and they showed that, listen to this data, that compared to the group eating the most carbohydrate, the lowest carbohydrate group showed an increased rate of cancer deaths of 35%, of heart disease deaths of 51%, and of overall cardiovascular, um, excuse me, stroke deaths by 51%. So, So we're talking here about tremendous increased death. And the low, listen to this one too. The low carbohydrate diet and total mortality association, in other words, the most death occurred and more pronounced in the non-obese, meaning that the people that were eating more protein, cutting back on carbs to control their weight were the ones that had the most death, 48% increased risk of death compared to 19% increased risk of death in people eating high protein who were overweight. Did you follow that?
0: I that- did. I got frightened. I had, to, I, I had to stay focused because it was. it was frightening. Um, right. but so, what about so the st- from that's just one
1: study I can give you eight others that are show equally frightening statistics and we can go over how this happens and why it happens but of course what I'm saying is the studies are absolutely consistent
0: and are those people so when I said i'm I'm a protein eater I mean that I always make sure that I eat protein at every meal and that it is so that and I you know I'll often eat protein and vegetables so that versus again I was joking about the carvers, the ketogenic diet the paleo people that are I'll call it, I don't know, 50, 60% protein. I'm making up a number. I don't know what their no, you're, proportions that's, you're
1: are. About, you're accurate. That's about true. I've seen some paleo people go up to 70% animal products in their diet. When we know, let's go back to the videotape for a minute and compare people in a large-scale study following 10% of calories from animal products. To 30 percent. Now, don't forget, the average American is eating about 30 percent. That's probably the rate what, what you're eating because you're having some animal product at most meals. Yes. So the average American isn't 50 percent, but they're 30 percent, and of animal products, as mean, compared to 10 percent. So here's a study that followed 6,000 people for 18 years, and the people who started the study were between the ages of 50 and 65 when they began. So they followed them for 18 years. That means a 60-year-old was followed until they were 78 years old. And what they found was a fourfold increase in cancer deaths, four times the amount of cancer deaths in those that ate 30% or more compared to 10% or less.
0: What was their other
1: 70%? What was the other 70%? What do you mean?
0: Well, because if I ate 30% meat and 50% um, uh, vegetables and then 10 or 15% carbs versus if I eat 30% protein and fifty percent carbs and ten percent
1: vegetables. Well carb well those veg- vegetables are carbs, mostly carbs. Well, well green I, mean, what
0: I, mean. I mean like starch right?
1: Well look, let's if we rank carbohydrates on a hierarchical scale of quality, right, then we know that refined carbohydrates, sugar, white flour, white rice, and even white potato has a high glycemic index. But as we go up the scale of hierarchical, we have high fiber, we have more resistant starch, we have more slowly digestible starch, we have more lower glycemic index, we have more anti-cancer phytochemicals, we have more nutrient density, in things like peas and beans and things like that. So what I'm saying is yes, And if we look at the data on carbohydrates, it's a different question, a different, possibly a different podcast showing the link between refined carbohydrates and death. And when you look at those foods, you can see as you ratchet down the scale of carbohydrate hierarchy to get to those low-nutrient, high-glycemic carbohydrates, we equally see a high death rate. But this study, we're talking about looking at different variables holding it's carbohydrate. Right. right? We're looking at the protein variable in this discussion and looking at multiple studies and the meta-analysis of people eating higher protein. Certainly, if you eat the higher protein with a better quality carbohydrate, more vegetables and beans and nuts, you're going to do much better. But never let's look at those studies because we have data on that too, by the way. We have the Seventh-day, let's look at the Seventh-day Adventist Health Study 2, which had numerous, about probably 80,000 people in it. Seventh-day Adventist Health Study 1 came out in 2001 and showed that vegans who ate nuts and seeds did live the longest, more than people eating animal products. But the vegans who didn't eat nuts and seeds didn't live as long as the, those who ate nuts and seeds and still had some animal products, meaning that nuts and seeds as a source of fat was a very important variable which was um, affecting and having a positive effect on longevity and prevention of cardiovascular deaths, number one. So the source of the protein, we're finding in these studies, when you get more protein from beans and vegetables and nuts and seeds and more fat from from vegetables and nuts and seeds, you actually have a longer lifespan. So it's the source of the protein plays a role, whether it's animal protein or plant protein. Higher protein plant foods Like beans and nuts actually increase lifespan, whereas higher protein animal products decrease lifespan. But let's go to
0: let me let me hold you on that for one second. In terms of those, because there are a lot of the the classic is that you know lean proteins like chicken, like um, grass fed beef or even seafood, that those are healthful. So where where are those so bad?
1: Well, the leaner, the, that's exactly true. The leaner the protein, the more dangerous it is. Because when you take the skim milk out of the, when you take the fat out of the milk, it concentrates the protein. When you eat just this white meat of the chicken, you can't, you're eating more calories from protein, you're actually more, a higher percent of the protein. And it's the animal protein that raises the hormone that promotes the cancer. I was explaining that, or I have explained, that IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor one, is intimately associated with higher rates of breast and prostate cancer, and that the American IGF-1 levels average way above 200. They're way off the charts due to their left level of animal protein. And IGF-1s start to climb into the dangerous levels as people's animal protein intake goes above 10%. And most Americans are up near 30%. In other words, a more favorable blood test level might be between 100 and 175, whereas Americans run between 200 and 300. And what I'm saying right now is that it's well accepted in the circles of nutritional scientists and nutritional researchers today that there's no controversy involved that higher blood levels of IGF-1 are promote cancer. that's a cellular, it's a hormone that promotes cellular replication. And when you combine high levels of insulin in particular with high IGF-1, it promotes breast cancer, for example, even more. And, but, but animal protein is the target, how you could say, mediator, modulator of IGF-1. And that's why skim milk is associated with more prostate cancer than whole milk because people, because then men are consuming more protein in the process. It's not the fat content of the animal product. It's actually the animal protein that affects the body in a biologically different manner than plant proteins do. And we can explain why if we needed to, you know, but, but obviously, pro, but this concept that protein or animal protein is some favorable nutrient that we have to try to go after more has been the largest myth creating an explosion in cancer in the last 100 years in America.
0: Do any of the protein requirements change depending on male, female, vary with age or your activity level? So like where they say that as you age, you need to consume more protein in order to preserve your muscles?
1: Yes, that's true. And let me explain that. Um, Now, I just want to say this. In the Adventist Health Study too which was just published in March of 2018, is it showed that when they compared the first quintile of animal, I'm sorry, yes, the first quintile of animal product consumption, that means the lowest fifth to the highest fifth in this study. Now these are Seventh-day Adventists, so they overall eat less animal products and more vegetables anyway. So here's a population that's advocating eating a lot of healthy food. They don't eat junk food and processed foods as much. They're trying to live a healthy diet. But among the Seventh-day Adventists who don't eat much animal products, the highest quintile of animal product consumption among that healthy eating population showed a 60% increase in cardiovascular death comparing the the highest quintile to the lowest quintile. Did you follow that?
0: Yes. So there's no question, you know, back to the original premise and your original premise of we're eating way too much protein. So, but I'm trying, I'm wanting to understand it's so contrary to everything that I've, read over the years and some, you know, some you know, kind of what most people have been going on recently. And I know in the last bunch of years where they said, you know, what a 15, 20 years ago was about no fat. And then everybody didn't eat fat. And then they all ate carbs instead. And then it was, well, all that- the
1: stuff is wrong. everything is wrong. The stuff about fat is wrong. The stuff about sugar is wrong. The stuff right. about protein. is all wrong. The last five years, we really explained all this. It's not the fat. It's where, you know, it's in other words, the, if you eat nuts and seeds, it extends life, but they're a high fat food. Nuts and seeds are your most favorable source of fat. And compared to animal fat or compared to oil, nuts and seeds are inf- infinitely more health promoting, unquestionably. It's a whole food where the fat comes into your bloodstream very slowly. So that's not controversial that nuts and seeds, your source of fat, extends lifespan. Absolutely. So the next issue here is your question about the elderly. And it's true that, that the biologically, the ability to assimilate protein goes down with aging, particularly after the age of 80. It doesn't affect Americans much because half of all Americans are dead before the age of 80. So, but in, but if we look at the elderly populations who are surviving, some people can develop more frailty and their IGF-1 can actually drop too low, increasing the risk of cancer and cardiovascular disease. So even though I said all in this stuff, even though I said in this discussion that high levels of IGF-1 accelerate aging, we can also say, that some people on a vegan diet might develop low levels of IGF-1 in later life due to lack of protein that could also accelerate or be a contributor towards their death. So it's somewhat complicated here. But see, this is where a nutritarian diet shines because the nutritarian diet, because some people are eating like low-fat, low-protein vegan diets, when a nutritarian diet doesn't have to be vegan. It can be n- vegan or near-vegan or flexitarian, some small amount of animal products adjusted for individual needs. But because there's a high emphasis on eating beans and high-protein greens and even nuts and seeds like sunflower seeds and hemp seeds and Mediterranean pine nuts and, that are high in protein, it's a, it has the, even though the diet is plant-rich and it uses animal products if you use them in very smaller amounts, there's a lot of plant protein in the diet. And we're showing people that diets that are higher in plant protein extend lifespan compared to diets that are lower in plant protein. So we need to design a diet style that's mostly plants, but still is not deficient in protein. And a nutritarian diet is still has plenty of protein, but it's mostly plants. Because it's the animal protein that drives the problem, not the plant protein. So we still have enough protein for the toddler, or for the elderly, or for the athlete, that needs more protein. Now that doesn't mean there aren't some individuals that may need a little bit of animal products to prevent because they still are, because there's certain individual differences that may give some people even a higher protein need but even then they only need a very little bit of animal product to bring their igf1 up into the favorable range again they don't need to eat a high protein a high animal protein diet they never have to go to 30 percent or anywhere near a paleo you know because a lot of people you know they don't thrive on a on a vegan diet that's been poorly designed so they go back to this high protein diet because they and, and, and i'm saying right now is if that First of all, if you're not thriving on a vegan diet, it's probably not designed right. But number two, if you are one of those people that need a little bit of animal protein, it's just a little bit you need. It's not a lot because if you take a lot, like most Americans do, you're going to drive yourself to other to the other side of the disease equation. All
0: right. So that's so what you, does your example, plate look like? So let's let's say in the nutritarian diet, and I take my plate. How do I define it? Like what what percent? What what percent is is vegetables, what percent, or, you know, I could do it as food pyramid, but I decided to do it as a plate instead. So how am I looking at it? What piece is protein? What piece is vegetables? What piece is fruit? What piece is other starchy grains and things like that?
1: But you're right. But beans and nuts and seeds and greens are high protein foods. So what I'm saying here is that, like, I might have a vegetable bean soup with my lunch, and some and a nut and seed-based dressing on my salad and a piece of fruit, that's a high-protein meal. There was no animal product in it. But I took in a huge amount, I'm not, I might take in 20 grams of protein in that one or 30 grams of protein in that one meal because I had hemp seeds and the green vegetables. So I'm not defining it for the way you're thinking by a plate. I'm eating a completely plant-based meal. If a person is one of those people that may need some animal product, they might have a little bit of, let's say, egg or fish or seafood in one of the meals on the the day of a small amount, maybe two to three ounces, on the day, they wouldn't have that on every single meal. They'd have two meals of just vegetable. Maybe they'd have oatmeal with flax seeds, with blueberries, and, you know, and avocado, or they- whatever it is they ate for breakfast. And they had the lunch, their salad and bean, or vegetable bean soup, or chili. And maybe it had their green vegetables, or a mixed mixed vegetable casserole, or chet wok thai, thai, thai peanut sauce with broccoli and water chestnuts, and onions and mushrooms, with a little bit of, you know, slices of, let's say, scallop or cut in, or something like that. So, on a nutritarian diet, one of the meals, they might have a little bit of animal product. So even the amount of animal product would be limited and the, and they would only have animal product, not more than one time a day, but maybe even a couple, maybe even three or four times a week, not even every day. All right. Then let so me try the question differently because-, because I'm, space for animal product at each meal.
0: Let me try the question differently because I'm trying to help people now figure out what are the, now that they're inspired, what should they go do about it? So is, is the- Formula of approximately 0.8 kilograms of protein per pound of body weight, Um, uh, still the right formula in this, but it's just a question of where that protein comes from. So I'm looking, am I as a 120-pound woman still looking for about 40, 45 grams of protein, and I just have to do my math differently based on where my protein source is from? Or do you think it should be even a lower percent of my diet is protein?
1: Right. It doesn't, you know, that's exactly what I'm saying that the 0.8 might be right for you as a physically fit female going to the gym and exercising. However, it's, but we have to, we have most of your protein, the vast majority come from plant sources, not animal products. Okay. That most of, and if you want, want to be a vegan and have no animal products at all, you can still have it, you'll probably be healthier and live longer because most likely for the majority of people will have a pro- will live to be 100 years old in great health with better opportunity on a vegan diet that's appropriately supplemented compared to one that's eating animal products two or three meals a day and especially and there may be a lot of people that live longer on a total vegan diet but what i'm saying is once you go totally vegan then you have to make sure you're taking the b12 and the zinc and the omega- omega-3 fatty acids because we want to make sure we give the person some of those beneficial nutrients that would have come from the animal product So a properly or conservatively supplemented vegan diet with the B12, the omega-3 fatty acids, and the zinc, you know, a little iodine if they're not having seaweed or seafood, we want to make sure that nobody's deficient, whether you're following a vegan diet, whether you're, you know, totally plant-based, or whether you're having a diet with a little bit of animal product, we still want to conservatively supplement it to make you have an ideal exposure to all the nutrients that humans need to extend lifespan and slow aging.
0: So how about quantities of food? Because... You know, uh, three ounces of chicken has about 23 grams of protein, which means one chicken breast and I'm done for the day. Whether or not, forget about that it's animal based or not. I'm just talking about quantity of protein. That's Um,
1: double the amount I want you, at animal products, I wouldn't want you to average more than two ounces a day. So if you had two to four ounces, you would have that every other day. So I wouldn't want that many ounces per week. You would use the protein as a condiment a flavoring for the vegetable dishes. You wouldn't sit down and have a big lump of it, except, you know, so, so I'd try to cut you back a little bit.
0: Got it, but that's
1: too, not that but wasn't size, my, I it so
0: often. Okay, but that wasn't where I was trying to go on this. What I was trying to understand actually was you know if you look at um, the cow cal- the the amount of protein in seeds and nuts that it's it's lower lower amounts of protein per serving. So it takes a lot of servings a big quantity of food for me to be able to get the adequate level of proteins to get to forty grams of protein. It might take several cups of beans or it might take several cups of quinoa. Now, no, I don't eat that not, much quantity of food.
1: Nope, not true. Okay. that The protein needs are directly proportional to the caloric needs. In other words, you're getting about 30 grams, 30 to 40 grams of protein per 1,000 calories in any combination of, of healthy plant food on a nutritarian diet. So let's say you get... 30 to 40 grams of protein per 1,000 calories. Your needs are between 30 and 40 grams when your calorie needs are low. When you're when you exercising, and you're a bigger person requiring more calories, your protein automatically gets 30 to 40 grams per 1,000 calories. So when you need, when you need 2,000 calories, you then you need 70 grams of protein. When you need, 1,000, when you need you know, 1,000 calories, you only need 30 grams of protein. There's no gymnastics you have to do to count, measure, or take in cups. Eat any food you want, and you're gonna get enough protein.
0: So assuming so I'm your, eating a balanced, nutritarian diet, heavy vegetables, seeds, nuts, beans, then it will just work is what you're saying.
1: Right. Don't measure. Don't calculate. You're automatically going get enough protein. It's impossible not to get enough protein unless your diet was predominantly fruit.
0: All right. And I think you've said this in passing, but what are your favorite sources of vegetarian protein?
1: I don't love that question because all the plant foods have a lot of protein in them. Even the whole grains have a lot of protein in them. You know, I don't advise people eat brown rice because the brown rice is contaminated with arsenic in this country today. So that leaves quinoa, which is a relatively high protein grain, and there's other grains that came out and tuft and teft and other things that are fine, but in any case, We're talking about a whole, you know, intact grain as being still has plenty of protein, but the least protein compared to nuts and beans and green vegetables, green vegetables are about 40% protein. Broccoli has more protein per calorie than does steak, than does um, a hamburger.
0: But don't you need a huge pile of broccoli to get to that weight of it?
1: No, you don't have to because you ate the quinoa and you ate some of beans and you ate some nuts and you ate some, um, you know, you ate whatever you ate in the meal had protein. It all combined. You don't have to eat a lot of one food. Just have the meal with all the mixture of all the different foods you're eating. Make the recipes and enjoy whatever you're going to eat because every food you ate in that meal has adequate protein. You're just, you're still focusing on one food having protein, the rest of the meal not. And I'm saying everything you ate has protein in the meal. You don't have to eat one, a lot of one thing. No, I, tried, I was focusing on the fact
0: that my brain likes to add things up and put things in spreadsheets. So when I was looking at the protein in spinach or the protein in broccoli, which I know spinach is one of the highest as well, but by weight, it's a huge pile of spinach to get to, to a, a, a weight of, of spinach. And I don't eat that big a pile. Like, so I'm, my brain so is trying to wrap so around as, serving eat sizes. Eat as little as you
1: want because the other things you're eating with it, whatever you eat that's going to contribute to the pro. – let's say you're going to eat 500 calories of the meal or 400 calories, right? Yes. You're eating something that contributes to the 400 calories, right? Whatever. Okay, so let's the spinach maybe contributed 40 calories to it but you still had another 350 calories. Those foods contain protein too. Who cares what the spinach gave you? Because the the beans you ate, and the grains you ate, and the nuts you ate, and everything else you ate in that meal, including the snow pea pods, the water chestnuts, and everything else you ate had protein in it. And you don't have to worry about protein because all natural foods contain sufficient protein. Unless they're processed. Unless they're white flour, and sugar, and, and junk food. If you're eating whole natural foods, they have, that's why we only say eat like one piece of fruit with each meal. Because when you eat one piece of fruit you each meal, you're eating vegetables and beans and nuts and whole grains, and vegetables and beans and nuts and whole grains, each and all of them have sufficient protein.
0: Okay. I think I got it now. No animal protein or only very little, and with a, a plate rich in vegetables, beans, nuts, it will all work. And if I stop worrying about it and focus on picking healthy foods and watching how I feel with it, it will all work. Yes? Mostly. Right, you
1: automatically get enough protein. You can't go wrong. All right. Unless you're eating junk food.
0: No junk food. No, healthy, healthy nutritarian, food, nutritarian plate. Thank and you. then the, the side
1: effect is you don't get cancer.
0: Well, that would be a good thing. I'd right. like not to do that. Dr. Joel Furman, thank you very much for your education and your wisdom, drfuhrman.com. I'm talking to Dr. Joel Furman, best-selling author and nutritional researcher who specializes in preventing and reversing disease through nutritional and natural methods. Our food choices can fuel both our health and our illnesses and Dr. Furman's Eat to Live program and nutritarian philosophy have helped millions of people to conquer disease and live healthy, active lives. He's just one of the thousands of experts featured in our newsletter, Bottom Line Personal, who provide their expert advice to guide readers into action in their own lives. In addition to Joel's wisdom regarding the power of food to heal, Bottom Line Personal is filled with actionable advice on all aspects of your life, including traveling safer and cheaper, finding the best insurance, retirement planning, smart tax strategies, fitness routines for anybody at any age, and even travel to little known destinations. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for over 40 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of the greatest tips from our experts of all time. Just go to BottomLineInc.com forward slash BLP. That's bottomlineink.com forward slash BLP.